we don't advocate for ourselves enough, for sure. Like I said, we expect others to just know what we want. But if you're looking at other successful men, they're usually advocating for themselves. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're showing off and it doesn't mean that you're arrogant. It just means that you're telling people what you can do and that what you want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, everybody. I'm Julie, and welcome to Women with Cool Jobs. Each episode will feature women with unique, trailblazing, and innovative careers. We'll talk about how she got here, what life is like now, and actionable steps that you can take to go on a similar path or one that's all your own. This podcast is about empowering you. It's about empowering you to dream big and to be inspired. You'll hear from incredible women in a wide variety of fields, and hopefully some that you've never heard of before. Women who build robots and roadways, firefighters, C-suite professionals surrounded by men, social media mavens, entrepreneurs, and more. I'm so glad we get to go on this journey together. Hey, everybody, this is Julie, and welcome to another episode of Women with Cool Jobs. Today, we speak with Lena Barrett, who's a transportation engineer and project manager for an engineering consulting firm. So I actually know Lena personally, and I know her family. I was so excited to have her on the show because I never really knew what she did. I just knew that she did something really cool. And it turns out she does things like designing freeways and coordinating traffic signals and making intelligent transportation systems and analyzing intersections for safety improvements. So a whole bunch of things that I never really thought to think about or I never really noticed. For example, if you're driving along and you're hitting every single red light, doesn't that just drive you nuts? It sure does for me. Lena and people in her role are actually able to fix that situation by analyzing it, adjusting timings, and making getting from A to B so much easier. That was so cool to learn about that. Another thing that I thought was a huge takeaway during this conversation was the idea of being your own advocate when you are wanting more responsibilities or additional roles at work. And this is not just for Lena and her engineering job. This can be for any job. Is really the idea of being very clear and very blunt with your supervisor or boss about what you're looking for, how you want to take that next step. I think it's so important and it's something that I was never very good at. It just never dawned on me to be super blunt like that. It's not my personality, although I am getting better. And I really wanted to point that out because I think this is so powerful and and it's really going to help empower so many women who hear it. Enjoy our conversation. I would love to hear from you if you have comments for me, suggestions, ideas, go to www.womenwithcooljobs.com or you can find me on Instagram at womencooljobs. Thank you so much. Hey, Lena, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad you could join me for this podcast episode. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited. This is a first time podcast for me. So, (laughs) Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that I can introduce you to this medium. So I hope you will love the process. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about who you are and what you do. So I know you're a transportation engineer and product manager, and you work for a very large firm here in Arizona. I would love for you to explain first so our listeners know what do you do? Like if you're telling me in the most 
basic terms, what is it that you do? <laughs> oh man, it's going to be hard to say it in basic terms. <laughs> I feel like I do a lot of things, which is why I love my job. But um, at the essence of it, I guess I would say I'm a transportation engineer. So with that, I design different aspects of roadways or traffic signals, different type of intelligent transportation technologies, and just things in the, the transportation world that you see. But apart from designing, I also do some planning as well. So with that, I, I work as a consultant. So this is where I'm, I say I do a lot of things. I, I'm not just a designer. I work for a consulting firm. And so basically what I do day, day in and day out is serve my clients. And my clients are different agencies, either local uh, engineering departments for different cities or the Department of Arizona Department of Transportation, Kansas Department of Transportation. Uh, so basically state level type of clients and every now and then we'll serve the federal clients as well. So basically our goal as consultants is to serve our clients and help them make their jobs easier and solve their problems in an engineering way. That's kind of the essence of it. There's a lot more I do internally. I have a uh, staff that I manage, so I love that part of my job and maybe we can get into that later. But yeah, I love being a mentor. The part that says project manager is because uh, along with designing, I also have to manage all aspects of the project. So I, I manage it from a financial standpoint, scheduling standpoint, budgetary in terms of construction budget. I manage the production that will take place to get the project done for the clients. And then I help see it through with the client and into construction as well. Lots of things I just threw out there. Let me know if you want me to dive into <laughs> any of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, that was a great overview. And it sounds like you do just like this huge array of things for your role in that company. When it comes to your day-to-day -day work, would you say that you're mainly working on the management side of things? Or are you working on sort of the creation side, that design and then actually putting things into place. Yeah. So at this point in my career, I'm more in the management side of things. So with civil engineering, or at least transportation engineering, you, and if you're in the consulting side, when you start out, you do a lot of what we call production. So a lot of drafting, which means kind of drawing up the plans in different types of software. So I started and that's where I, I was I was doing a lot of the work in terms of production and drafting. And then you get into more of you know a mid-level and that's where you do a lot of the design. So you, you start... Through your drafting and production work, you start learning about design aspects. And so when you become a mid-level, you learn more. You, you are at a point where you have that engineering judgment and you can really design different aspects of like the roadway or, you know, the traffic signal or whatever it is that we're designing. And you still always have a project manager. To be a project manager, you need to be licensed. So now that I'm licensed, I manage more of the projects and I oversee the design and the production, when the people that work for me finish the product, I would review it and make sure it's meeting all standards. There's no safety concerns in terms of liability standpoint, anything like that. I, I check it all and make sure it's all a sound design that can be constructed and that the contractor will be able to look at the plan and understand how to build it. And so I will review it and we'll you know, fix any issues that I found. And then um, at the end of the project, I will s sign and seal it because with my license. And that is what goes to construction. So yes, at this standpoint now in my career, at this point in my career, I'm um, more on the management side, but you have to have that technical foundation to get to the management side. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. And so will you clarify what is that license that you're talking about? Yeah, for sure. So 
for civil engineers, and there's actually, it's not just civil, you can you can get the, the license if you're electrical, mechanical, but it's called a PE, which is the professional engineer license. And uh, each state has a license. So I, I'm licensed in Arizona, but I'm also licensed in Kansas. And, and you can do reciprocity in a few other states where you don't have to retake the exam. Apart from California, you have to take an, an additional exam. <laughs> to get to the, the getting the PE, you know, after your name and the license, you actually have to uh, do four years of engineering school. So I did that, uh, BSc, civil engineering. And then you have to take the EIT exam, which is the engineer and training exam, also known as the fundamentals of engineering exam. So you take that uh, close to right after school, which that covers kind of all basic engineering and then basic civil. So it's a lot of things like everything you learn in your four years, you have, you're tested on it. So you got to pay attention in school. <laughs> Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you get you get that. And then after four years of work experience, you can get your PE. And so there's another exam you take. And then if you pass that plus the four years of experience, you get your PE license. That's essentially what that is. Yeah. Okay. So that's quite a process. When you were first starting out your job, did you know that you wanted to get that? How did you learn that you needed to have that to take that next step? Yeah. So for civil, actually, we're told in school because uh, most civil... And I guess I don't know all sides of different civil industries and stuff like that, but most cases as a civil engineer, you need the PE exam. So you can have electrical engineers that end up doing things kind of unrelated to construction where you don't need a PE. We have electrical engineers in my company that do uh, similar type of work in terms of just electrical engineering, and they have the PE specifically for electrical. But with civil, a lot more civils need to take it. So we were told in school that this is, you're going to have to start thinking about the EIT exam. You're going to have to start thinking this is stuff that you're going to be seeing on the PE exam. So you already know that that's kind of what you have to do in a professional standpoint. And so if you want to go out into the industry, either consulting or even on the public side and be an engineer, you know that you have as a civil engineer, you know you have to get a PE exam. So that's kind of how I learned about it. But I didn't know going into civil, I didn't know I'd have to take more exams after school. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably it was a bummer. I, I'm guessing when you learned that, yeah. right? Like, oh, yes. more. <laughs> I was like, no more exams. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, okay. So I want to definitely get back here to the present, but I want to jump back a little bit in time first. How did you figure out that you even wanted to go into engineering and specifically, how did you land in this career? How did you even know it was an option? Okay. This is a good question. Overview kind of figured it out on like, as I was going through it all, I guess background is when I was younger in high school, I was good at math and science and I, I always really liked for for some reason I really love math. It's there's a specific feeling you get when you're, you know, trying to solve that and then you get to the end and then you get the right answer. It's like a really good feeling, which is weird. I'm a nerd, I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. I wish I had that. <laughs> math was not my subject, let's just say. But I want to know like what type of feeling did you get? Was it just like a little happy rush or like it is a little bit of an or... adrenaline rush? And like even if you get some things wrong and you have to go back and like kind of figure out where you where you went wrong in that equation and how you're going to get to the end. And it, it is like at the, at the end, it is that little bit of like adrenaline. Woo. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to explain the feeling. 
yeah, so I always like math and specific different types of sciences. Not not all sciences. I wasn't good at biology. But then also my dad, he has three PhDs and he's an engineer. And then my sister was doing biomedical engineering. And so engineering was like a part of our family. At the end of high school, I didn't know what I wanted to major in, but I, I was talking to my dad about this and I wanted to do actually first was I wanted to do musical theater. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> I would have supported that. Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to do that. And so my dad wasn't like not supportive of that, but he, as an immigrant coming here and saying like, you know, I want you to have a stable and successful, you know, career. I want you to be financially stable. And so he was saying like, you know, play off your strengths. Not that maybe maybe musical theater is not a really good strength, but I thought I was good at it. But so he was saying, you're good at math and science. So here's some options, you know, engineering would be a good option for you because you've You've always liked to problem solve. You've always liked to build things with me. So maybe consider engineering. And so I, you know, just thinking about what realistically I going to New York and trying to make it on Broadway probably wasn't the safest choice for me. So I ended up, yes, I I was like, okay, I'll do, I'll do engineering. I didn't know what type at all. And so I just actually just chose mechanical at first. And then as I learned more about it and read more about it, I actually started reading about civil and environmental. And at that point in my life, I was starting to be like all green and the environment. And and so the environmental thing was really like what drew me to it. But funny enough, as I got into more into the classes, I didn't like environmental. And I actually just swayed away from that and into transportation side of civil. And the why I like civil is there's so many different things within civil that you can do if you're passionate about. And so, so yeah, so I just ended up majoring in that and then uh, learning about what comes out of what would be a profession as a civil engineer. And then I did an internship at a public agency, the city of Tempe transportation center doing traffic engineering kind of related stuff. And I thought it was super fascinating. And so I interviewed with many different places, ended up choosing to go into consulting because good pay. <laughs> also out of college, you want some good pay. So um, yeah, yes, yeah, so that's why when I was kind of saying I kind of learned as I went, it, it's true. I had a few things I was good at and a few things I liked, but then I really figured it out as I kind of went along. Yeah, that makes sense. And then as far as when you think about the types of activities that you work on now, or the types of projects that you work on now, can you give some examples of the things that you do work on for transportation? I know you mentioned like in your overview, but kind of getting into more depth, what are some projects that you've worked on recently, or maybe even when you first started that you thought were really cool? For sure. Oh, there's so many. So one really cool project that is now basically done is a ITS, which is intelligent transportation systems, dust detection system. So in Arizona, between Phoenix and Tucson, there's the I-10 and it goes actually across the country. But in that specific portion, there's a lot of dust storms that pass through. And when when those dust storms come through, the visibility gets sometimes to almost zero. And so there is uh, lots of crashes, um, sometimes resulting in fatalities. And so it's a very hot, big hotspot for safety issues and, and car crashes. So there is a, a project that we designed for the Arizona Department of Transportation, which would actually install these new type of dust detection devices that would detect as dust is coming near the freeway. And when those devices detect dust, they trigger variable speed limit signs. So basically telling 
vehicles to start slowing down because a lot of the problem with the visibility issues out there is you're driving and then all of a sudden the storm hits and then there's a car stopped. And so this warns drivers to slow down sooner and be able to get to a speed that would reduce the impact if there was a car crash. So yeah, that's part of the what ITS is. It's different types of technologies that can do cool different things for the transportation network and for the safety of individuals. So that's just one cool project that is now kicking off with just in time for monsoon season too. So yeah, hopefully get some good feedback from the public and also just just hoping it, redu- it reduces crashes. Yeah, because I think that's one thing, you know, as an Arizonan, when we live here, we do in the desert have like these huge and you can look it up on the internet if you're not familiar, but like these huge, just clouds of dust, but they cover the entire yes. sky and make it orange. And I think if you've never seen it and you come here and you see one, you're like, what is happening? Is it like the apocalypse or, you know, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. And they can be really dangerous because they come in incredibly quickly yes. and you just literally have very little to no visibility. So when I heard about that, and then I learned that you worked on it, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. More specific terms, what did you do within that project? Because that's a really amazing project that you worked on. What was your role? So this project was actually, I got plugged in a little bit towards the end of it. A lot of it was helping my boss, really, who's who's a more senior and well-established in the industry. He He's awesome what he does. But so it's his project. So I helped with design of basically when you're installing these devices, you have to figure out first, how are they going to come up structurally, right? Like different poles and foundation to put these devices up. But then also, how are you going to communicate to the devices? How are the devices going to communicate back to the traffic operations center, which is like the central system for Arizona Department of Transportation? And so how are you going to view the situations out there? So putting new CCTV cameras to be able to view what's going on. And then how are you going to power the devices as well? So that's where, even though I'm not electrical, a part of uh, ITS design is needing to know some stuff about electrical engineering. How are you going to run conductors and power voltage drop, make sure there's not voltage drops when you're running that, where you're going to need transformers and just basic things like that. The design of that and then also the communication system. So how to run, you know, fiber optic cable to the devices and the type of fiber communications equipment that needs to be installed at these devices to be able to communicate back and forth. Like I said, I got plugged in a little bit later just because my workload. So I got plugged in a little bit later in the design. And then also some issues came up during construction because this was kind of actually it might be the first of its kind in the, in the nation for a dust detection system. Wow. And so there's a lot of issues that came up that we had to change some of the, you know, uh, fiber communications drawings that we did. So the contractor would be able to know how to install things properly. And, but yeah, so that's what, that was my role in that. It was more technical, which was, which was cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you for explaining. Is there maybe like another example of a project that you've worked on recently or in the past that you loved as well? Yeah. Can I say two things? Of course, as many as you want. (laughs) So I talked about ITS. Another thing I really like about traffic engineering is safety. It's an aspect of of traffic engineering, but it, it involves so many other aspects of just transportation in general. I do these things called road safety assessments, which is there's a federal process for them. And I I do it for, um, there's the Maricopa Association of Governments. They have the funding and different municipalities across the Maricopa County can apply to MAG for certain fundings and related to safety concerns that they're seeing. So So for example, this was specifically with the city of Phoenix, they had a corridor with a lot of crashes and they wanted to evaluate what's the problem in this corridor? Why are there so many crashes? And so that's what road safety assessments are. 
So then we get hired as a consultant and we put together a a multidisciplinary independent team that goes out there and evaluates the safety conditions. Uh, But prior to that, we do a lot of crash data analysis, which I think is as as sad as it is in some cases to to read about the crashes and and all the issues. It's it's fascinating to understand traffic patterns, why people are human behavior and why people are doing certain things and what are kind of patterns that you can see based on crash data. So we we evaluate crash data, we evaluate traffic volumes because those two always are important to look at. And then we go out in the field for a two day long evaluation. We need to see morning peak and observe the corridor or the intersection in morning peak period, the midday peak period, the PM peak period. And then we also do an off peak period just to kind of see when, when things, when, when it's a little calmer, are there still issues that we could, you know, that could be arising and then also a nighttime field visit. So it's an intense week. You need to analyze the data, present it to the agency. Then you go out for two days of field review. You document everything you see, and then you take as many pictures as possible. And then you put together a presentation on the third day for the agency of all the issues that you're, you've found. And so it's a quick thing, but it's it's kind of fun just because, it, like I said, I like problem solving. And so you're going out it's yeah. this, this corridor and this intersection with like all these potential problems that you could solve. So, And the cool part of wow. it is it all is related to safety issues. So if you can recommend things out of this that can reduce crashes, it's indirectly saving lives or directly saving lives. That's it's, it's such a cool thing to be, to be a part of. Yeah. Well, I think the really interesting thing, sort of the perspective that I have about your job is that you do so much having to do with the things that people see or use or do every single day, but we don't necessarily think about those things. You know, it's just sort of, we might be passively seeing them, not really understanding you know, what all goes into it or why things work the way they do. So that's really fascinating. Yeah. Did you have one more example that you yeah, wanted to share? Just on your point, it's true that there's so much that goes behind things like a traffic signal. You know, a lot of people, you just drive through, you don't think about it. There's so much in the design of the signal and then in the operation of it in terms of like we calculate green time and yellow time and red time. And so that's the project I want to hit on too. That was a cool project. So we did for City of Scottsdale is basically did a signal timing coordination for 16 of their corridors. And so what that is, is basically evaluating the timing of those, like I said, the green, yellow, and red, and also the pedestrian intervals. And so for the, these corridors that are either commuter routes or just really heavy uh, traffic volumes, try to make it so that you can hit the green lights as you're going to work and not have to stop. That's good. <laughs> that yes. makes me happy. <laughs> so if you ever are down the corridor and you're like, ooh, getting all the green, someone actually calculated that for you. <laughs> ah, good to know. And so if the opposite happens, then like, should I be, who am I going to contact about this? Yeah, exactly. You should actually, yeah. you can totally, actually most of our clients, they actually do get complaints from people all the time and, and they try to like look at the timing to see how they can help things. So Go for it. Complain. <laughs> All right. Contact my city. <laughs> so yeah, that's just another project that I like to talk about. For that project, because you said you did, it was like 16 different areas mm-hmm. within the city of Scottsdale. So how long did that take you? Like how long does that 
type of project last? Uh, that one actually lasted, I'd say total about two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because so there's, you need to first get like traffic volumes. And actually before that we wanted to do before runs, which is what we call, you know, you get in the car, you time what it takes it from one point of the corridor to the end. And then we get you know, basic traffic volumes, the peak volumes, and then we do our analysis and we have to build a whole model in a, in a program called Synchro. And then we have to figure out different, like for time of day plans, because it, because what you're going to get in the AM a peak period is not the same in the PM. Right. And so we yeah. have to do different types of plans. Then we have to, and that's for what, this is just for one quarter. Right. And then we have to give it back to the city. They want to look at it, comment, we might make some tweaks and then they implement it in the field and then there's observation in the field to see how things are going. And there might be more tweaks. And then, wow. yeah, and then there's a, a reporting process of what we did, what we found in this corridor. And then as part of that, there's the after runs, which we will, again, drive from the beginning to the end of the corridor and see from a time standpoint, how much time did we reduce for the driver? And so we had some really cool results, just reducing travel time for people and and actually that can actually correlate to dollars for people, right? Because time is money and yeah, all that. So yeah, well, and even if you think about the stuff besides dollars, just time home with your family, exactly. time, you know, doing activities on the weekends or you know whatever sort of those things that we do outside of work or outside of driving. Yep, that's really great. Thank you for all those examples. Yeah, let's head back now into kind of your present day life. How would you describe? what you do in one day. Can you kind of give us like an overview of your major tasks or responsibilities? I know things have changed because we are, you know, still recording this during the pandemic. <laughs> I know that's probably changed things a lot, but I guess sort of if there's still some typical things that you do. Yeah. And actually I'm still like just as busy, if not more. We still have a lot <laughs> of projects. So I guess that's good because I know uh, it's unfortunate a lot of people are out of jobs right now. So I should yeah. be very thankful I have a job. Overall, now my day-to-day is as project manager, I'm trying to, and as a consultant, I'm trying to build a practice and then you know maintain that practice is what we call it. So I do marketing. I, I go out to meet different clients and tell them, here's the services that we can offer you. Here, what are some of the problems you are facing? Can we try to help you find some projects to help solve those problems? And so essentially, it's, that's me trying to get work right from clients. So that's what marketing aspect of things. So I have some of that every every day. And then from a project manager standpoint, I have, oh, well, let's say probably five, six projects that I am currently managing that I'm the project manager on. But then there is other projects that maybe other uh, PMs have that I have uh, specific tasks that I'm leading the design for. So, so that's task management and project management. So I have probably like 15 projects in a day to like keep track of and, wow. and uh, think about. And some days, you know, it's heavier on one, or, you know, or it's not always all 15 at one time, but yeah. So it's juggling all those projects and what needs to be happening with them. So what do I need to check in with the designers to make sure that they're keeping on the schedule? And is there any of the newer, you know, kind of drafters that need some um, oversight or mentoring in, in terms of drawing up the plans and, and stuff? And then there's some projects that are in construction. So I may get uh, calls from the contractor or the client saying, 
hey, this question came up on the field as they were constructing. Can you explain why you did this in your design to the contractor? So those will come up and those are like, you need to answer right away, right? Because they're, they're trying to build something. Yeah. And then there is the financial, the project budget, like internal to my project. So I get a certain amount of money to design and do the design and the project for the client. And so making sure that my time, the designer's time is well spent and efficient so that we can get it done in the amount of budget that we have. So there's that aspect of things. That was a lot. Okay, we can can stop there then. (laughs) Yeah, that's just what I have that I wrote from you talking is you're working with designers, drafters, people in construction, doing financials, Mm -hmm. trying to prioritize all of that. I mean, that that was like a lot to even listen to. So I can't imagine, you know, how that must feel. I can imagine why you're so busy every day. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for sure. How long have you been in this particular career track now? Is is it like eight years? Eight years, yep. Eight years. Okay. Do you think that you really are able to do all this now because you've seen how all these components work as you move up, you know, sort of in more responsibility in your career? Yeah, for sure. Like I said, you know, you start at the bottom and you start picking things up, right? Like, so as a drafter, you're just drawing things that tell you, people tell you to draw, but you start learning the design. And then as a designer, you start, because you're working more closely with a PM, you're starting to see what the PM is doing. Okay. With, you know, and how they're interacting with the clients and how you're keeping your clients happy and how you're kind of figuring out ways to get more work at the same time. So you're starting to learn that as your designer. And then as a, as a PM, there's still for me things like, so I know, you know, a lot of like about traffic design, but there's, and I've done some transportation planning too, but there's just new types of things that I'm learning all the time, technical things as, as clients bring it up, like, Hey, can you do this for me? I'm, you know, just an example of, you know, something random that they want me to do. And so I have to reach out to other PMs in, in my firm and say, have we done this? And and how can I learn from you to help serve my clients? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm still growing technically. I'm still learning as a project manager, how to manage things because you can always manage uh, your project and budgets and people better. Right. So there's so much to learn still. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds great, though, that you're you're still feeling like you could still learn more and do more and constantly grow. Because I think, to me, that's so much of what a great job is. It's just there's a place where you can use your expertise that you have currently, but you can still build. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about, because you are an engineer consulting role, are there a lot of women who you work with, or is it mainly men? If you could speak to that a little bit. When I started um, eight years ago, it was a lot different than it is now. I had one other female on my team shortly after she she left. So then I was the one female on the entire team of of men. And at the time, we were a little bit smaller. I think we were like, there was like five men and and me. So there's that. But then we work a lot. So with the traffic group works a lot with the roadway team. And and that team is pretty much predominant, was predominantly all men. I feel like as I've gain more tenure and have been now included in interviewing process, the bias changes, right? Like I'm not biased to hire a woman, but I, I'm more likely to see the potential in a woman than potential, you know, other, you know, five men might just be like, Hey, that guy sounds like I'd be cool buddies with, and I can go golfing with, you know, like, well, she's actually really smart and she actually has more experience, you know, or whatever it is. And so it's actually now, 50 50 I would say wow. and at one point we actually had maybe one or two more females than than men and and I remember uh, someone on my team saying like oh wow like the women are taking over and I was like we're almost 50 percent and that makes you feel like we're taking over isn't that funny yeah <laughs> that is crazy that's awesome though too 
And so do you think that reason for that shift is, you know, sort of because you did get to have a hand in hiring or, or did practices or kind of culture change within your organization as well? Yeah, actually, that is a big part of it, too. We've actually had a recent initiative to retain women in practice because my company, and it's not just my company, but it's the industry in general, see as women become more of that mid-level, that's also when they're getting married and having kids. As you become a mid-level, that's when you have start getting a lot more responsibility and then to add kids and a family to that. So they saw a lot of you know women leaving the workforce at that point in their career. So they actually created my company and created an initiative to try to help close that gap of retention, um, especially at that level. And it was small things, you know, like being able to have safe places to go talk to other women about things that they're, you know, issues they're seeing and ways that are being treated. So that was one aspect of it. But there's also more flexibility in in work hours now, you know, because we, we work a lot as consultants, much more than the 40 <laughs> typical. And so it was more of that, you know, flexibility of, you know, now that you have a child, like you should be able to leave early to go pick up your kid and it shouldn't be looked down upon. So it was that kind of culture shift in the firm. And then another great thing is backup childcare, because a lot of times women, even if they, they're in a relationship and you know, if the kid is sick, usually the woman is the one that has to leave and pick up the kid, right? And it's because we don't need to talk about the social aspect of things. It's just the work aspect. But so a lot of women, you know, we're leaving and that hurts them, right? Because they're missing meetings, they're missing opportunities when they have to do that. And so there's, uh, my company pays for a backup childcare for wow. situations like that, where you have to pull your kid out and someone will be there to help, you know, watch your kid. And so that there's just that's just a few of the things. So they've actually made a real big effort to to help retain women and and I think with that and just with more women like me starting to be in positions of making decisions that also helps as yeah, well. Yeah. That's it. Well, and that's incredible that they've purposely put all those things into place because I think there are so many things in the past that have really either hindered women or made it so much more difficult to continue a career and and to keep growing and having a successful career and not lag behind the men who are maybe in that same spot originally. So that's incredible. Are there overall any challenges that you feel like you had to overcome, you know, whether it was just you yourself or because it was sort of a workplace environment that made it something that maybe you didn't expect or something that you did expect that you had to figure out? Just small things. I mean, there's never been, or maybe I've just ignored it, but there's never been like very big, serious issues that I've ran into, thankfully. But there is the small little uh, things that, you know, comments that you get are just biases that you see. Like when I was a little bit younger, my career and a male PM forming a relationship with a younger male or a peer of mine that is male through golf or through basketball. And, and so more likely to think about that guy when an opportunity arises, right? Because they have that relationship. And so I don't play golf and I don't know sports and some women do, and that's great, but I, I personally don't. So there was like little things like that. And then of course there's the comments just about either other women or which make you think like, what are people saying about me behind my back? Just uncomfortable type of situations, even with not just in my company, it's like uh, other consultants and clients even just 
being in situations that were a little bit uncomfortable one-on-one with an older male client or, you know, so little things like that, you know, have been difficult, but I have managed, I guess, (laughs) and I pushed through it and it's hard, but I think it's getting better every day, especially with the things going on in the world and different types of movements happening. I feel like people are more cognizant now and a little more careful about the jokes that they make, just things like that. So yeah. So at the times where things were a little bit challenging or like awkward, or, you know, maybe the opportunities didn't present themselves in the same way because you were a woman, how did you push past that or make opportunities for yourself or feel like you could make it a more comfortable situation? I I understand there's bias, but a lot of times it's unconscious, right? So it's like, it took a little more effort for me to like, I need to make relationships in another way, right? With these people in power or whatever it is. So I need to find ways to connect with people so that they know that I'm just as good and I'm here and I also want the opportunity. So making it known that I want those opportunities was a big thing. And I'm very outspoken and (laughs) I'm one of the few that's maybe not afraid to like call people out. And so sometimes that can be to my detriment because there's that angry woman that's, you know, (laughs) saying something about, you know, feminism, but it actually works in some cases. So, yeah. So do you think more just being willing to like talk to people and saying, I want to participate in XYZ, or I want to be considered for this position or this project? Is that kind of what you were saying? Apparently, people don't know that you just want to you know, grow and achieve things. Apparently you have to make it known. (laughs) So I think for me, looking back at my career, like I was not so good about being very blunt. It's not a personal trait that I do very well. And so, but hearing you say that really makes me think when I get back to position full time and everything, maybe, yeah, I need to be more blunt about exactly what I want to do, what I want to work on, what projects I want, what challenges that I would like to be part of. Yeah. So I I think that's great. Although we hope maybe that it's understood, actually pointing it out and saying, maybe you actually really have to just literally say it. (laughs) For sure. And there's now that I've had a, a kid, there's more times where when, you know, I told certain people I'm pregnant and I, but I still have, you know, six months, there was times they would say, oh, well, you're going to be out. So maybe we'll just put someone else on the project. I'm like, I'm here still. I'm still here for yeah. six more months. I can still do it. And I had to push this in, in some instances of like, I want to take this on. And when it comes time for me to go, I will transition it properly because that's my role as someone going on maternity leave is I will transition the project. So you don't have to worry about that. But for now, I am here for six more months. So (laughs) some other women have waited to tell coworkers that they were pregnant because of that scenario that they didn't want to be, you know, taken off of projects or not considered for things. So yeah, as a woman in a career, and I can only speak from my own experience. But you know, when you're pregnant, and then have kids, it's like, you're the same person. But you're not mm-hmm. in a way, you know, because your world has just shifted so much. I can imagine with your type of role that it's so demanding and you're dealing with so many people that obviously you want to do it the best that you can do for as long as you can do it. But then to be given that opportunity mm-hmm. to say, okay, now that I'm in position, I'm a new mom, give me some time off that I deserve, you know, <laughs> so I can be with my new baby, but then let me do it properly. Let me show you that I'm I'm an adult. I have this job. I know what I'm doing. Exactly. 
as I go forward and listen to more stories of people with children, I'm expecting to kind of hear this theme over and over again, although I hope I don't, you know, I wish that it wasn't a thing that I would, Mm -hmm. that I might have to hear, but I feel like it's, you know, one of those topics that's probably going to come up. Yeah. Um. (laughs) But hopefully like us doing this is going to help change the tide and make things a little bit better. Yeah. I do want to say that the programs that were implemented at my company to help women and working moms actually have also benefited a younger generation of men that do want to spend more time with their kids and do want more flexibility. Because that's a thing that I'm seeing more is that more of the comments and the, that closed-mindedness when it comes to flexibility was more from like maybe another generation. But you see my peers wanting to spend time with their kids more, you know, not being like 8 p.m. and never seeing their kids. So in helping, you know, women, it's actually helping the entire workforce and actually kind of leveling the playing field because now men get to spend a little more time with their kids too, where it was usually just women that had to leave and have to do, you know, these things. Men also now get the opportunity to do it and maybe less shame in doing it. Because I I do feel like there's potentially some shame that men feel like if I have to take time off or I have to go pick up my kid, it's not as well received as if a woman were to do it. So yeah, and I think that's a good point because why shouldn't men have the opportunity as well to have time with their families, just like, you know, women, but to still be able to be considered a responsible, great employee. Yeah. (laughs) Let's shift a little bit. I want to talk about if you have advice for people who want to get into this type of career, specific maybe to the civil engineering and transportation, what advice would you give them? Is there one key thing that either you did that was super helpful or that now that you're managing that you would say, do this for sure? Hmm. I guess for people in school, if anyone in school is going to be listening to this, I think trying to Get as many internship opportunities early to really know what you like is going to be important because I feel like our education system doesn't set us up well for like understanding what to major in and what that major results in. Yeah. And it just so happens that what my path led me to something I really like, but you know, a lot of people make career changes and it's not necessarily what they like and they don't know what's going to come out of it. So I feel like trying to understand that at an earlier age is great. And there's some cool programs that, try to focus like STEM, you know, for encouraging women or just, just students in general in, in high school to consider STEM and, and options like that. And then in college, you know, I got an internship my junior year, but I almost wish I had done, you know, just a little bit more just to see just everything that was out there. And it just so happened that I liked my internship and that was great. So, I mean, that would be one piece of advice. But then for, you know, women in the workforce, I would say, we don't advocate for ourselves enough, for sure. Like I said, we expect others to just know what we want. But if you're looking at other successful men, they're usually advocating for themselves. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're showing off. And it doesn't mean that you're arrogant. It just means that you're telling people what you can do and that what you want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I found that like people were very receptive to that. Even men that might just be like a little bit different mentality. If you just tell them like, I'd love to learn from you. I'd love to be on, on this project. I'd love the opportunity to do so-and-so. They have always been very respe- receptive. So I feel like we need to just try to be as women a little bit more, I guess, brave in that aspect of just advocating. Yeah. <laughs> For people who are, are older and they're out of you know college per se, do you think this is something that people could shift into 
without having, I guess, like a specific engineering degree? Or do you think that it's something that you really have to have that background in sort of as a stepping stone? Um, so you can actually become a PE without the schooling. You have to have oh. eight years of work experience under okay. a professional engineer. So you could start somewhere as a drafter, which we have, you know, uh, more design level people with no engineering background that start as drafters. And so, like I said, you learn the design aspect from all the years of that. So it's a little bit longer, but there is a chance to do it without the degree. So yeah, there's that opportunity. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting to know. I guess in thinking about other advice or resources for people who are interested in learning more, are there certain associations or trade websites that you could recommend that people could go to, to find out more information? Yeah. Uh, specifically to like transportation engineers, there is ITE, which is the Institute of Transportation Engineers, I believe is what it stands for. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's an actually a great organization that I'm part of. And, you know, they we have different like topics, lunch topics or, you know, happy hour topics that you can learn more about, about transportation engineering and, and different aspects of it. Um, there's also ASCE, which so that's just overall civil. So it's the American Society of Civil Engineers. And so they have some awesome resources on their website about all different branches of civil. So I'm in transportation, but there's uh, structures, there's drainage, there's environmental, there's land development or development services type of work. There's a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Those are great resources. I guess going back to how you were talking about sort of being your own advocate or making sure to tell people that I'm really great at this. Mm -hmm. I would love to learn more about this sort of speaking up for yourself. That's such a key component of women being successful in these types of areas and career tracks that maybe weren't traditionally expected of women. Yeah. Are there things that you've done that have helped you be successful or helped you get that next project or, you know, that mentor? Yeah. So that's actually one thing early on, I think that everyone should do is like get mentors because I feel like a mentorship relationship is beneficial for both because it's rewarding for the mentor and honestly makes the mentor feel important. Right. <laughs> so no one's going to ever come. If you're asking someone to be your mentor, no one's ever going to be like, that's weird. Please. No, you know, <laughs> you're going to be pretty happy about it. And then of course it's beneficial for a newcomer to have someone that you can go to someone you can trust someone that's on your side. And I think it's important that you have mentors in different buckets, right? So you should have a mentor in a, maybe a more technical standpoint, if that's what you, you know, someone you can go to when you have questions about specific design issues or, technical questions, that's your go-to person because they kind of know that and then maybe won't judge you for it. For, you know, some people get afraid of, ask, of asking questions, but maybe find someone, a safe place that with, with one person that you can really go to with questions like that. And don't be afraid for mentors to be more senior in your organization. Because again, those people like that. They don't mind that. So <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's like the VP or something. Why not? You know? So I would also suggest having mentors kind of in senior management, because that can help career growth within your organization, help see the path, helps understand how they got to where they're at, and what little things you can do from their standpoint, they can keep kind of feeding you that advice through that relationship. And then for me, in then consulting, the whole marketing standpoint, we have to market and build relationships with clients. So it's nice to have another mentor that is well connected in the industry 
that can help introduce you to people, can help you build those relationships and kind of tag you along when you're a little bit younger to meetings and say like, here's this, this person, this is the up and coming person at my company. Like that happened to me a lot, which was, which is great. And I'm so thankful to my mentors for doing that for me. So I think, I think so establishing different mentors like that is great. And actually what we learned at one of the, we have a women organization that came out of that initiative I was talking about. And so we actually had a brown bag that was called about like your, your board of directors. So think of it of like your, this is your little company, right? Your, your career is like your little company and you need a board of directors, people to advise you as, as a CEO of your career. <laughs> even outside of work, how to think about financially investments and things like that, if you want, but just, right. little, you know, designate people around your board of directors and help you grow. So <laughs> yeah, that's super clever. I love it. For everyone, we need our own board of directors. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. When you were able to find mentors and people to sort of show you the ropes or give you sort of that unfiltered advice or answers, how did you go about finding them? I mean, did you just literally go to people and say, you're so awesome. Will you, you know, will you help me? <laughs> was it, was it that blunt? <laughs> In some cases it was. Okay. There was a few, you know, really cool women, like senior women that I was just like, I don't really know them, but I'm going to do it because there's not that many examples. And yeah. I, it's great to have those connections. So in, in some of those cases, I, I totally did that. And then in some other cases, I, it was more natural, right? Like we were on a project together and I was like, I, I love this work. Like, can you tag me along next time too? Just little things like that. And it, it becomes more organic. Yeah, it's, it's different. But like I said, in either way, it was well-received. I think that's really wonderful to hear those examples too. And then I know you said at the beginning, so I want to go back to this for sure before we end today, is that you were talking about in your current roles that you get to mentor other people as part of what you do now. So I wanted to ask you about that element yeah. to your job. Oh, it's such a cool element to my job. I directly now supervise two people, but then they supervise uh, a couple people. And so it's just been so cool. When I first started, I when I was a little bit uh, younger in my career, I had one of the interns that was the first person that I supervised. She was an intern and they were like, you should be a supervisor to somebody. And I was very nervous, right? But it was obviously great that they trusted me to do that. And it's just been, it's just so cool to see people grow and have that kind of role in their life that helps shape their career and, and then really understand from them, like what they want out of their career. Because that was something that's eye opening to me is that like what I wanted, it may not be exactly what everyone wants. So, and so there's sometimes when, you know, you don't, you want to, you don't want to project your way only because some people don't want to become project managers. Some people like the technical route only as a mentor, you want to encourage people to flourish in whatever makes them happy. And so I've learned that as I've become a mentor for different people. Mm -hmm. And then it's just cool to be part of also mentoring women in, in this role you know, I've, I've heard some women at my, at my company say that, you know, you're like one of the few women that have children and like, we're all looking up to you and what you're doing when you, it's a little bit of pressure too, because it's like, <laughs> especially when I had a kid, because it was like, how, how you come back and how you end up dealing with, you know, family and work is like what we're going to look up to. So in some cases it's a lot of pressure, but it's so great that they have someone to look up to like that. And so yeah. uh, I take that so, so seriously. And so like, it's a big responsibility that I, I really care about. That's amazing. And I 
just knowing you, you know, outside of this podcast, I'm sure you're doing a fantastic job of setting so. an example. I hope so. I'm sure you are. <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> One thing about mentoring too that I think is important that I didn't always do, but maybe giving them a safe place to give you feedback. Because I was always, you know, at our, you know, check-ins, I'd be like, hey, is there feedback for me? Is there something I can do better? And a lot of times it was just like, you know, what? they're not going to say it in front of me, right? So giving them a place to be through someone else or anonymously to give you that feedback is awesome. And so I actually got the chance that came out of the Retaining Women Initiative. It's called Lift. I should have said that from the beginning. Through there, there was actually, they had kind of like a summit type of conference thing for up and coming women throughout the, the firm across the country. And so through that, we actually had this anonymous feedback type of portal. So I actually asked some of the people I supervise to respond to this and it's anonymous and I got to hear all this good feedback and some of it was just awesome to hear. And of course, some of it's hard to hear, but yeah, you need to think on it and how you're going to improve. And and so that's just another point of, about being a mentor is that it's not only you giving feedback, you need to receive it too. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful point. And that's neat that the program was able to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. That's Sounds like they're doing really amazing things in in your company. Really try to keep women and retain awesome employees, male and female. So that's awesome. For sure. Thank you so much for all this great information. I am so excited that I got to interview you today and that you're on the show. And I hope that whoever's listening got to learn a little bit about what you do. I know I definitely learned a lot. I might even have some more questions for you later when I think about all this and listen to it again. So thank you so much. I hope that you continue to thrive. I know you will. Maybe we'll have to come back in like five years and and see what you're up to. Well, and thank you so much. I think this this whole podcast is so cool. It's so great to hear from, you know, different people about their career paths and just so empowering, I think. So I I just love that you're doing this. So thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Women With Cool Jobs. I'll be releasing a new episode every two weeks, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you loved the show, please give me a five-star rating. Also, it would mean so much if you shared this episode with someone you think would love it or would find it inspirational. And lastly, Do you have ideas for future shows or do you know any rock star women with cool jobs? I would love to hear from you. You can email me at julie at womenwithcooljobs.com or you can find me on Instagram at womencooljobs. Again, that's womencooljobs. Thank you so much for listening and have an incredible day.